Left. Right. All right, this is the politics episode. I apologize in advance for what you're getting yourself into. There are many, many more episodes. So if you simply want to hear my voice, you have lots more to choose from. Um, but in the meantime, this gets a bit dicey. We got four on the podcast today. Um, so I understand completely that that can be difficult to listen to. So again, this is your forewarning. And not only is it dicey with four people, we're still talking about a dicey topic. Uh, so it is what it is. Uh, I promise you, next episode will be a lot more light. Um, catch me on the far end of this podcast. I'll tell you what, what's upcoming. Uh, but thank you again for joining, subscribing, listening, watching. I'll see you guys. This is Sip Talk. Grab a drink and enjoy. Cheers. 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 All right, looks like we are live on one, two, three platforms. Uh, welcome to Sip Talk. This is episode 74. My name is Justin DiGiulio. I'm joined by James the Bosnator Boswell. Um, James, we got two guys on deck today, both poli-sci majors. We're going to bring them in a little bit. Um, I'm going to let you take the lead. You just tell me when to bring them in. Um, well, you can introduce Adam since you know him much better than I do. Uh, but for those of you who weren't watching yesterday, uh, introduce my brother. He, is, he was a poli-sci major at Siena College, and he has worked as an intern for New York State Representatives. He has also done advocacy and outreach for um, the ACLU. And I don't remember the other organization, so he can tell you about that. But he, um, I'll, I'll ask him to explain what kind of political work he's done. And he still follows politics very closely. And he's going to have a lot of good comments. To, we really want to talk, I, my idea for this cast tonight is it's been a while since we've had Adam on. He knows a lot about politics as well, and I wanted to kind of pick his brain and get my brother to kind of play off of him in well, terms well, of the events of the last six to eight weeks plus. Sure, and we got we got two poli sci majors who are a little more in tune with politics probably than we are. Um, so we're going to bring them in in just a minute. Uh, but I do want to let you know, James. Last night I brought up the idea of. Uh, a pet peeve episode and we're getting a lot of traction so if you guys are watching this hit me on instagram send me a dm let me some of your biggest pet peeves because they're they're piling up and literally i was reading through them this afternoon and this evening and i was literally almost out of the chair just laughing at, at some of these things they're absolutely hilarious so, so yeah let's collect those all up and we'll do an episode maybe next tuesday we got we got an upcoming episode but today again we're going to be talking about politics i know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are really just kind of here to uh, tune in, have some drinks, and watch us goof around. We'll still be drinking and goofing around tonight. But without further ado, I'm going to bring them in. Uh, so if you're watching and not listening, we're going to have a bit of uh, technical issues as we make some adjustments to bring these guys all in on the screen. Uh, but uh, let's see. Oh, they're piling up. We got one, two, three, four. Uh, and it looks like... Oh boy, this is this is fun. All right, let's see how far down I can bring this. Uh, you guys are all on the camera, so that's good. I thought we were going to have some slightly 
greater technical issues. Uh, so I know we got Adam Sindaban coming at us from the Julio Group office in Midtown yep. Manhattan. Um, and then we got David Boswell coming from, are you in Sacramento? Sunny Sacramento. Sunny Sacramento. So uh, David, I'll let you introduce yourself and your qualifications and let us know what you're drinking. Um, and then Adam, you're, uh, you're on par here. I got you. All righty. Uh, David Boswell here, James's brother from Sunny Sacramento, poli sci major. I uh, worked for the lobby group for all the different Planned Parenthoods in New York State for a number of years. I worked for the New York Public Interest Research Group um, as a canvasser doing door to door, uh, asking for donations, which is a very fun time if you haven't had the chance to go door to door asking strangers for money. Um, Moved to Sacramento last year. Plans are moving to the capital because it's California, one of the biggest state capitals, and I want to get back into advocacy and uh, politics work. So current plan is going back to school for in uh, master's in public policy administration at Sacramento State. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, I live two blocks away from the capital, but not next couple of weeks, next couple of years. That'll be my place of work. So you be, you better not qualifications. Move. You better not move. All right. <laughs> okay. what, 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 are you, what are you drinking? Uh, what I'm drinking is the finest bourbon that $17 can buy. Evan Williams on the rocks right. to handle at $17. A steal at twice the price. So, uh, so look, if, if anybody out there is a real connoisseur and a ball buster of scotch and whiskey, you need to understand that, and I know Adam's laughing to himself, that we we have an affinity for for you know some really really nice stuff. This is actually a rather cheap bottle of Ardbeg, but Ardbeg's a, a great scotch. But for those of us that consume on a very regular basis, we're not always looking to break the bank, and and we have some trusted like your trusty Steve. You know he may not be he may he may not be you know nobody's betting on him in a trifecta, but you can take him out. You can hit the laps of them every morning. And you know that is an Evan Williams. Is that how you start your mornings? <laughs> well, depending on this, this week was. Gonna, I'm glad you said this it week was going to go. Well, all right. So, so uh, 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 Amad Sindabad, uh, you're up. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Uh, so, first off, I'm actually drinking a hazy IPA from Sierra Nevada uh, Brewing Company. Pretty awesome beer. Um, I uh, studied poli-sci in college. I was a minor in journalism and marketing. And uh, I currently am an associate broker here with Justin at the Julio Group Real Estate in New York City. Working a bit of a late night tonight on a lease signing for last minute, but uh, that's me. What are you drinking? Oh, you said you're drinking a beer. Adam, you're not usually- Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of trying to switch it up from doing a heavy liquor right now. I'm just kind of experimenting with some different beers and IPAs. Lately, I've been really getting into it. It's not that bad. But I really like the Hazy IPA. It's actually really good if you guys have never tried it before. It is. And James, what are, what are you drinking down there in uh, uh, cloudy South Carolina? So I just killed off the, the remaining bottle of rum. And once that glass is empty, I'm going to switch to the um, Glenlivet Caribbean Reserve. Ooh, yeah. Ooh that sounds good. Um, all right, cool. I got a glass of wine here. I didn't want to hit the scotch because... Uh, I may indeed, as I mentioned, the last last cast at which at which one was was last night. Uh, I may have coronavirus, and I felt pretty good all day. Most of my body aches went away, 
but I've, I've been getting a little hazy in the brain today, especially this afternoon. So, uh, you know, I don't want to hit anything hard. I think I'll just pop my shoulder a bottle of wine. <laughs> I'm not going to drink that much for real, but I'd like to have a little little drink while we're while we're casting here. And uh, so, so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually David sent me an email a little while ago with some of the talking points. I'm going to let David actually kind of pick up a direction. But so, David, so you worked at uh, Planned Parenthood, right? So I worked for their um, their 501c4 group, which is they can do politicking. A nonprofit can't do politicking. They can't advocate for someone. Planned Parenthood is a nonprofit. What they have is a separate entity, and it used to be called Family Planning Advocates in New York. They've since changed their name. But the affiliates would take non-donation dollars for their, their nonprofit work. It was only political donations that could go to us. All of the Planned Parenthood affiliates in New York contributed to our organization. So we're kind of like an umbrella, and we advocate for all of them. So that's some of my background there. And then so there's the public you, interest research work. You said that you said that really fast, but uh, yeah, you, you I didn't want to get into the weeds about different nonprofit organizations and taxation status that would kill your viewership. But uh, yeah, effectively worked as a lobbyist for Planned Parenthood. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And you did that in New York. Yes. Okay. Um, you should try that in South Carolina. I imagine that. <laughs> Different crowd, yeah. yeah uh, know, know your audience. Yeah, I would imagine. So obviously, we got a new president. Uh, it's my understanding that he's basically just been sitting in the Oval Office, reversing a shit ton of stuff that Trump. That's pretty for. accurate. Um, can you talk about some of those things? Talk about what's going on. Uh, maybe we'll get to the impeachment in in just a minute. But I, the only thing I hear about in the news every morning is that we have Biden sitting in a chair. There's an audio clip of him signing something saying, I don't even know what this is. And the person just saying, sign there anyways, and, and he signed. Um, so what kind of stuff is he repealing effectively? And and well, how's- Moving what, aside what the stuff? elder abuse jokes of, you don't need to, <laughs> moving past the it's elder abuse will. jokes of, here, here, grandpa, just sign, just sign. You don't need to know what's in it. And that just, I mean, kind of- No, that was article. Bush and Cheney. We don't need to go back to that. No, no, no. Really more uh, Reagan. Uh, <laughs> Reagan sleepy. Uh, a lot of the executive orders that he's signing are, like you said, basically just undoing all the stuff that Trump did. So you've got some of the different, the Muslim immigration ban, you've got the family separation policy uh, at the border, you have a couple of different environmental policies that he's changing. Basically, any rule that was passed by the Trump administration in the last 120 days has been summarily reversed. Could I ask um, a question, though? It, you know, some of these things, like the Muslim ban, or separating kids from their parents at the borders. I feel like a lot of these may have potentially been in place pro during the Obama administration. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the media gave them such bad coverage under Trump. Is there any accuracy well, to that? Not really. Um, the Muslim ban was heavily litigated. This is something Trump came out and said, we're going to stop immigration from those countries. And then he did it. And what the Democrats argued, because they sued him, was, look, he's saying outright, this is a ban on Muslim people. So well, he said that during the, the campaign. He did. He said, yeah, we're going to ban the Muslims yeah. from coming in. So they used his words as a candidate saying, look, this is all that they're doing. So what, what 
they did after they had to kind of reverse because you run into First Amendment issues when you target a specific religion. Um, they had to go back and say, well, no, it's not about Muslims anymore. Um, and they, they tailored it in such a way and the courts let them basically have a do-over. And the Muslim ban was what we're looking at 2017 that they implemented. That was early on. As for, yeah, yeah as for the child separation policy, you, it is true that there were children that were in ICE custody under Obama. The big difference here is that under Obama, if, it came, if they came together as a family group, mother, daughter, whatever, it doesn't matter, family group, they wouldn't be separated under the Obama policy. Well, you know, the, you know the, reason, were, the, the argument for doing that is that people just kind of pair up as they're crossing the border and they're like, this is my kid, this is my kid. And they have no way to prove that or, or just... <sighs> Which I, I don't see. I don't see what I don't see what forcing them to separate actually. I don't know any evidence though to that, Justin, either though. So that I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that. I, I think you could make an argument for well, it, but I don't know. That's the that argument that they're making. But I, I yeah, but do they have proof that it actually happened? Well, either you're, you're yeah, putting exactly. them in the same cage or you're putting them in different cages. Well, I don't really see how that, how that affects things. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Christopher, Christopher Hitchens Razor and that that can be posited without evidence can be dismissed without evidence so unless i can see it i, I can't really analyze that um so back to the question of were children in ic custody under obama yes were families separated under obama and children were separated from the parents no they were in custody together or they were released that's the big difference between the two policies yeah. uh you actually had an inspector general report come out today that really really tore into jeff sessions um and the office of the attorney general for this policy because they completely disregard their lawyers they disregard the realities of the situation they said well they're, they're only going to be separated for maybe up to 72 hours it's really easy to unify them what immigration proceedings from detention to sentencing happens in 72 hours exactly zero so exactly. unifying really people cool think that they this correctly and and we got the results that everyone knew was going to happen you're going to have kids that you can't find the parents for i mean the trump administration they're the only thing that stopped them from being in my opinion obviously uh i'm pretty liberal more evil was that they were just so incompetent well i don't know if incompetent would be the word i would use but I would use the word more or less. Uh, they didn't have any real understanding of how government works. So they may have been smart in certain aspects of what they did, but like an actual government function, they had no idea how to actually enact laws, which is why, like, when you look at the Biden administration right now, how is that not things are happening. Competence. Well, you could still be, I could be competent in like building a, ho a house, but I may not be competent in building an engine for a car. So I, there, there are certain aspects of where you can be smart, but I don't know necessarily the people he hired around him being Trump were competent in actually how to enact laws, enforce it, and make sure that it I'm not saying that they're factors. not intelligent people. I'm sure some no, of them no, no, are I very, very brilliant at what they do. But yeah. look at the census policy. That is sheer incompetence that screwed that up because oh, they didn't wow. do it the proper way. And, and it backfired. They wanted to count, not count um, non-citizens. And because they screwed up right. the process so badly, like you said, because they don't know government, they didn't get to do it. If they had done it just a little bit differently, they, they would have passed. And the Supreme Court said so. Roberts said so. 
Well, this is why someone like Josh, and I don't mean to interrupt you, David, but but that's why somebody like Josh Hawley or Ted Cruz scares the living daylights out of me because they see how someone who's so incompetent with a team like this could get this far. I mean, how far could someone like Josh Harley, who had the best fundraising month out of any senator in United States history over past the past month alone, is most likely going to run for president in three and a half years? So that well, that tells me that it's it's incredibly scary. And oh, yeah. you know, I understand that Biden's trying to push uh, COVID relief as one of the first things through budget reconciliation, but which we were talking about earlier, but. I don't understand why we're not putting more guardrails on the presidency in terms of the Supreme Court. I don't think Congress should be controlling that, but definitely the Supreme Court, where they're held a bit more accountable. Because I could imagine that in the future, maybe not even our lifetimes, but definitely in our children's lifetimes, there will be somebody who will abuse that power to the utmost. And that's, in te- that's incredibly terrifying for me, at least especially after the past four years. I don't know what you guys think, but I'd love to hear Can I thoughts. jump in on one thing that, that you said that, jo- that jogged memory? Um, the yeah. business law class that I took about right – it was actually about four years ago. It, it started right at about the same time that Trump was inaugurated. And um, the professor was a like former lawyer. I think he still has his law license, but he doesn't practice. And um, we talked about you know just basic business law stuff. And a lot of it had to do with – the, the federal regulation infrastructure and all the different federal agencies. And okay. we talked about what's called Chevron deference, which dates back to, I believe the eighties. And it was a case where, and I'm, I'm probably getting some of the facts wrong, but the, the conclusion is, is gonna be mostly correct, which is, I, let's call it the EPA, but there was a federal agency that was looking to regulate an activity that Chevron Corporation was doing. And Chevron challenged it and went all the way up to the Supreme Court. And Chevron basically said, this federal agency of the executive branch is legislating. They're coming up with new regulations that Congress themselves didn't pass. Congress said, hey, EPA, you've got the authority to regulate the environment or whatever. But Congress didn't say the EPA can expressly regulate whatever we're trying to do. And so Chevron said, they don't have the power to regulate this because Congress expressly didn't expressly give us, give the authority to you guys to do that. And so the EPA and like the government argued, well, we have regulation authority to regulate what Congress said. And there's a lot of breadth in what we can do. And so the Supreme court basically said that unless a federal regulating agency makes a rule that is arbitrary and capricious, then we give deference to the regulators. And that's where the term Chevron deference comes from. So if a federal regulation authority comes up with something that just seems arbitrary or capricious, which basically means like like intentionally harmful, then you aren't going to be able to say that they're acting outside the bounds of their authority. And you saw this argument being made a number of times with Trump policies about Chevron deference. And and basically the people that were challenging the policies were saying that these are arbitrary and capricious capricious policies. Um, You saw that um, very early on with the um, Muslim immigration ban, Muslim travel ban. They said, this is arbitrary. Why are you picking just Muslims? 
Um, right. It's sort so, of, yeah, I, I actually, that's a great comparison, by the way, James. And the pr pr professor throughout, like, if I were to say there was one thread that he tied through the entire thing, it was him raging about how Congress doesn't do its job because they have basically passed so much of the power that's written in the Constitution to them, they've passed it on to the executive branch and let the president make the decisions or let the regulating agencies make the decisions, which the president is indirectly or directly in charge of. And so Congress basically doesn't do what they're supposed to be doing in terms of legislating these things specifically and just letting right. the agencies deal with it. And they're part of the executive branch and not really under Congress's control unless Congress were to pass a law telling them what they can and can't do. And he just, I, I, I swear, it was like every week he would talk about how Congress needs to take back the power that is constitutionally granted to them. All right, I want to I want to get back into some of the stuff that right now that Biden is is undoing. So we got the Muslim ban, which you know I want to kind of explain the Muslim ban real quick because I feel like you know James and David, we all grew up in upstate New York. Adam, you grew up on on Long Island maybe Long Island a bit more diverse than where we grew up. But I can tell you as someone who grew up in a mostly white neighborhood, I didn't know anybody who was Muslim. You knew one. Um, okay. But the the Jondalis. Okay, I, I didn't realize they were, they were Muslim. Uh, but now in New York City, I probably have 25 to 40 people saved in my phone by the first name of Muhammad. And we have a Adam, Adam can attest to the fact that I would say maybe a third of our company is Muslim, maybe less, but a, Close a, to lot, it. a lot of Muslim people in, in our company. But when I grew up upstate, so I'm trying to put my, my mindset in the person who grew up upstate. And obviously you got Afghanistan, Iraq, a lot of these countries where there are terrorists are Muslim. So I think it's a pretty easy sell to the vast majority of America that is not a culturally dense place like New York City or even probably more so Sacramento um, and even maybe oh, yeah. downtown Charleston um, than places like where we grew up in upstate or I don't know what it's like where you are on Long Island, but I could, I could, I could guess if I went to any city in you know, any of the, the Midwestern states I probably would have a difficult time finding a Muslim person. So just, you know, if all you know about Muslim is that's what is the religion of people from Afghanistan and Iraq, I feel like it's probably a pretty simple sell. But when somebody I work with is like, yeah, you know, my, my family can't travel for this wedding because there's a, because they're banning all of them. That seems obnoxious. Yeah. So it's, a, it's, it's difficult to digest because it's, it's, you know, a blanket Muslim ban is just insane. Uh, but obviously we want to, safety is an actual concern of our country. And, you know, Adam from Long Island, you got the, was it M83? Is that the ban or is that the, it's- No, M it's definitely not a ban. <laughs> oh, no, M83, M83, M83 is a band. It's a it great a band. band. It's a great yeah, song. Yeah, their song, Go, is a great running song. But, um, but, but also it's a, um, not terrorist, but it's like, uh, I mean, effectively terrorist. Oh, oh, it, the, it the, is. It, yeah, the I mean, MS three on Island is a terrorist group. That, that's 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 why I was. Oh, yeah. but it, 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 was, it would be funnier if the band of 83 were terrorists. 
Well, you don't no, know. MS-13. Uh, MS-13. 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 But they're also not Muslim. I'm sorry, I think corrected. No, but they're not Muslim. No, but they're, no, they're, no, they're not. They're Mexican. No, like El Salvador. They're El Salvador middle schoolers, and they terrorize Long Island. Right. So, but I guess I wanted to add a little perspective, just that it, you know, it's it's a pretty easy sell, say Muslim ban, because most people don't know anybody Muslim. Yeah. And as James and I have talked right. about in previous podcasts, when you look at other people as other, rather than just, you know, I don't know how else you would contextualize not other, but, um, you know, like we look at the people that we work with as not other, but then when you say Muslims and people in Afghanistan, that very much feels like other. So to keep other yeah. people out, you feel like you're not yeah. really affecting their lives. But when you realize it's somebody who sits at a desk right next to you, it's their brother or their mother or their aunt or their grandparents or their kids, um, it, you know, it just feels a little bit different. And just blanket banning them out of the country seems insane. Um, so sorry, guys, I'm a bit long-winded. And again, I, I don't have something's going on in my brain, which is leading me to believe now I'm actually freaking out that I may have coronavirus. Um, well, alcohol kills a lot of things, so I don't. I don't think it kills coronavirus. This, this is true. If there was some way I could shine enough sunlight up my asshole, I'd probably be good. Have so, you tried injecting? I was gonna say, yeah, there's bleach. Well, I got a lot you of. You could actually probably just do it. You could do it like a, a wet bath with Clorox wipes. That that might help. Um, <laughs> well, I'll. I'll might be so good, actually. I'll scrounge around the basement. Uh, I got a lot of cleaning supplies. <laughs> House. Um, anyway, to get back on topic, uh, <laughs> why don't we why don't we kind of shift gears a little bit to talk about the COVID relief bill that's coming up, uh, like over the next week or two? Yeah, we'll I, haven't, about that. I haven't caught much of the news this week uh, because obviously the snowstorm and shoveling and shit like that. But there's a new. So I I actually just got it's sitting on the desk because I I don't even know it's real. Um, I got a United States Treasury check. For 600 bucks uh it says economic impact payment president donald j trump i don't know that yeah that's your 600 stimulus check yeah but I, it's a trump check so i don't know if it's still good oh. no that's good no no you can cash it it's was good. it mailed to you from nigeria um just you want to cash it out immediately to dinner yeah i have 30 days to clear i had adam <laughs> may have seen it this week i had uh i've gotten a couple of these but uh, I'm going through You've some got multiple files. $600 checks. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, if I could duplicate that, uh, I, you know, whatever. Well, so, you got a copy I, machine in the office. But I, but I got a ninety something ninety one thousand dollar. What was it? $91,000 fake check in the mail from the beverage company or something like that. Yeah, yeah resurfaced. Is that a, just a refund for <laughs> all the you. booze that you've purchased in the last couple of years? <laughs> uh, you should see my taxes. Uh, but no, yeah, I got a fake check yeah, right. for, some, for some wannabe investor. Uh, that's actually just that's actually just the bottle deposit amount. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> that, just that like the customer rewards program. They they, they hey, finally. I yeah, look at that as a it's a tax reduction at that point. Like you could just deduct that from your taxes at the end of the year, like a bottle deposit. I'm fine with that. Uh, so so let's let's talk about this new economic uh, um, impact uh, bill. What, whatever's going on. Uh, one of you, David. David. Okay. I, I'll I'll pick it up a little bit, and David, maybe you can you can help me out. But right now, uh, the Biden administration is offering a 1.9 trillion dollar plan for um, 
extending unemployment services until about September, if I'm not mistaken. More small business loans. The whole idea of their package is more direct to the actual person uh, because the first bill that came out last spring was really geared towards uh, everybody. But what we realized six months into that bill being passed was that most big businesses actually took part in that bill. Uh, you're going to tell me no? Well, no, no, I, no, no. You, oh, oh, most I, big businesses didn't need the money, but no, they kind of like, sorry. Let me give you guys some, let me give you guys some perspective on this. I, in uh, March or April, I think it must've been April last year, I applied for economic injury disaster loan and uh, which is the EIDL and the PPP. But I, I did that with the mindset that we'd be reopened effectively if people kept their mask on for another two or three weeks. Like right. it was an originally a two week lockdown and then they extended it 10 days or something. And I'm like, and this is gonna be at least two more months. And now it's literally almost a year later. And yeah. the, uh, you know, basically I probably never would have taken those loans out I would have restructured our company entirely. We would not be carrying a 4,000 uh, square foot office. We wouldn't be doing anything that right. we're doing now. I would have had I had the force, foresight to realize this is gonna be 12 to 18 months, I would not have applied for these loans or I would have applied in different amounts and structured right. things completely different. But because I did, now I have these giant loans and it's a year later, and at some point they're gonna to need to be paid back. You know, we don't well, know. The PPP you're not gonna to have to pay back, but the EID. Well, some, of it, some of it I can will. I, I used it Gentlemen, can I just jump in here for a minute? So you, Justin, you're not alone though. Like you, you and probably more than two thirds of the businesses in America right now that decided to jump in in these loans are in the exact same position as you. And they're all suffering from the same lack of opportunity to create business. So. What the Biden administration is trying to do is create direct relief to you only. Uh, there was a lot of loopholes in the old bill that had came out about a year ago. So unfortunately, a lot of people who didn't need it got the money anyway and used it and didn't give it back. And the people who got caught gave it back in a moment of charity and didn't want to look bad. And their PR team jumped in at the last minute. We all get how that shit works. But at the end of the day, like a lot of people who didn't need the money got it. And now... The Biden administration is trying to jump in and saying we need a huge stimulus plan if we want to rebound by the end of 2021 into 2022. So they offered a huge plan right off, right out of the bat. They already know that they can get a pass through budget reconciliation, which just for people who don't quite understand how legislation gets passed, budget reconciliation does not require 60 votes in the Senate. It just requires a basic 51-49 majority. Okay, which with Kamala Harris as vice president, you do not need any Republican support. Plus, if you ask any American on the street, whether it's in New York City or Wichita, Kansas, everybody is in support of more relief for businesses, considering the consistent lockdown for 18 months, 12 months, 15 months, what have you. So right now, you have Republicans that are countering an offer for $600 million. Billion. Billion. Billion, I'm sorry, 600 billion. The counter offer for the 1.9 trillion. Yeah, but 
But the basic the, the basic fact of it all is that Republicans are constantly wanting to downsize a bill to offer relief to Americans, but we're not having the honest conversation about how people are truly struggling. I mean, people want to work. But well, where is this money and, coming from? Well, I'm just I'm just I'm really curious. I mean. Well, We're can borrowing. I ask then, how did we afford the Trump tax cuts in 2017, but yet every Republican was in support of it? It was the uh, biggest okay. budget deficit that we've ever created in American yes, history. but that's opportunity cost versus actually paying out. Yeah, but it hasn't, up, it hasn't afforded I, I any it. I opportunity, think it was very, David. I mean, it's, it was very... No, it's very stupid to do. I yeah. don't think that's a $2.2 trillion bill, but you're, you're foregoing future income as opposed to paying out. Well, one requires loans. One requires just not paying out. You save money that way. Right. Um, there's a couple big things in the bill that makes it different from what the Republicans want to what the Democrats want. The 1.3 billion price tag, a lot of that is relief to states. What happens when business goes down? Tax revenues go down. California yep. actually did all right because most of our tax base is off of super wealthy, like 50% of our tax base is off of the 1% in California. Yeah, not the ones that and are what? to Texas, though. That's only. That's truly only a handful. California actually yeah, has people, a, another surplus. He, yes, but they have a surplus again this year during the pandemic. People say that California's finances are always screwed, and yet they always come out with a, a surplus. So I, I see both sides. Like they do spend a lot of money, but I mean, we have a surplus this year. The, the tax base has not dipped in California because the super wealthy one percent. They're they made they made out really really well here and they're just paying more in tax so the the okay. tax base me, in california really has not changed but let me tell you something as somebody who literally sells manhattan real estate uh who just left manhattan um and watching a lot of businesses close up adam can attest to this because we're there literally every day oh, I understand. a lot of these companies are moving into new jersey which is where i relocated residentially um and I'm, you know, I follow a lot of people who are based, obviously, like New York and LA uh, are basically like sister cities, in, in, in my yeah. opinion. But a lot of the people that I follow are telling me about all these people getting out of California, mostly because they don't like, um, you know, what's going on in terms of leadership. Just like in New York City, we don't like what's going on in terms of leadership. Um, but a lot of people are leaving these places and that's because the legislation is not is not it's basically directed towards the poor people um so yeah i mean that's 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 my opinion on that uh and, and that's a fair a fair opinion to have but in california the thing is you still have these billionaires that are happy to live here because they get to live in california silicon sure, Valley but, not but what happens but what happens when texas now has more shit going. I feel like the argument that you're making is saying, and I get it that you're a liberal, so this will sound a bit back asswards to you, but this is like the, you know, the factory that's dumping their sludge into the river being like, but look at the water. It just, it, it continues to run clear. So like, obviously we're not causing a problem. The water is still clear. At a certain no, point, I don't at a certain that's... point, you, you're going to hit, uh, what's that, what's that, uh, the Lorax movie? Uh, I speak for the trees. Um, uh, it's just called the Lorax. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, it's just the Lorax. <laughs> I also don't really know where this logic is going at all. Well, what yeah. I'm saying is you got, I... Wunzler, you got the Wunzler who's like, I got the last seed. I got the last seed. And it was, it was you know, a slow process, but all of a sudden you turn around and the Wunzler, 
Can I just break this down to brass tacks and down all these metaphors? Like, you're a business owner. You should be mad as fuck over the past eight months. I'm, I'm, Sorry. Yeah. You, know, I, we're, I'm you should be, you should be not only mad, but you should be fucking just absolutely done. Have you ever like, driven a American, car in such disrepair? American leadership. That's what our business is. Right? American leadership has completely failed on every single level. And people woke the fuck up. The only reason why Donald Trump's presidency existed to begin with is because people just stopped giving a shit. But look, let me tell you, our business is down. Wait, 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 wait. I I have a bigger point. And I know you're going to agree with me as a business owner. I promise you. The problem now is that we have to do the cleanup job over the next couple of years. So a lot of what the COVID relief bill is about that Biden's trying to enforce is to clean up the crap that's gone on for the past nine months. So you and I would say more than 60% of business owners are feeling duped about the fact that they got involved in these loans and grants and things were very confusing. It was very fastly passed because there was so many loose regulations and then things were changing halfway through. People didn't know how to quite follow the guidelines. There wasn't clear indications on how to follow those guidelines. So a lot of people got screwed. And a lot of what this new bill is trying to do is to fix that, to not make businesses that have been suffering for eight to 15 months, which we all predict that we're not gonna fully get out of this until about quarter three of 2021. A lot of these businesses are trying to survive at this point with a mountain of debt that's just chasing them just a little bit away. So a lot of what this bill is going to do is eliminate that. So when businesses can fully reopen, they're not swamped with massive and massive amounts of debt. And I, listen, we could talk about the deficit, we could talk about taxes, and we could talk about the economy, but this is not the time and place to ever talk about that. I mean, I sat in enough economic classes in my lifetime and also have been running a business where I could sit here and be like, when you're in a time of crisis, caring about the deficit is probably the last thing on your radar when you just want the business to survive. And America is a business, and we need it to survive before we start caring about balancing its budget. You're, you're I, on a sinking ship, and your cargo is lumber. Is, and you think, well, right. shit, if we get there and we don't have any lumber to sell, we don't make any money. Yeah, but if you don't use the lumber to patch your ship, you're going to sink, and no one's going to make it there at all. Exactly. So, Thank so, you for clearing that up. All right. So, so let's. I want to talk a little bit about the impeachment, guys. Uh, because I feel, I feel like uh, three and a half weeks ago, the impeachment was was looking super strong. Basically, if somebody stuck a gun to my head, I you know I'd feel very much compelled. You know, ten minutes later, my adrenaline was still going to say, you know what, guns should be completely illegal across the entire United States, but. Three weeks later, I'd be like, well, yeah, you know, that was scary, but I got through it. And, you know, it is against the Constitution that, you know, people really should be able to have guns. If we just maybe we tighten a couple of the the, uh, the knobs here and maybe we don't allow like Uzis or something. But, you know, people should still be able to have guns. So I feel like these senators and, and uh, congressmen were terrified in the moment. And we're basically dealing with this decreasing momentum moving forward against this, again, you know, for the impeachment against the former president. But I really feel like we're running out of steam. And I don't think the impeachment is going to happen. 
And now you have all this legal, uh, you know, can you even impeach a president okay. who's no longer in office? Obviously, technical point. Technical point. But technical point. He has been. No, no. Technical point. He's been impeached twice. Been he already impeached. has been impeached. The impeachment happens by the yeah. House, and that's the conviction in the Senate. Okay. Um, but can we continue to? There's. Well, there there is historical precedent. In the 1800s, you had a. Uh, we don't have this position anymore. Secretary, of, Secretary of War. And he did some shady deals. He resigned before he could be impeached. But they said, you know what? The shit that he did was so bad we're going to impeach him anyways because it prevents him from holding office at any point in the future. So there is constitutional precedent to impeach someone out of office, but the, the value of it, that's still the question. Is this a good thing to do politically for the, for the Democrats? Because that's the only question right now. We know for a fact that the Senate is not going to vote to convict. We had a motion David. last week that was 55 to 45 um, saying, is this even constitutional? And they said 45 Republicans said it's not even constitutional. You got five that said yes. If you think you're going to well, get to 17, you're not. David, I, I I know you mentioned the Democrats there and their ability, but I don't know if it's as much as for the Democrats as it is for the Republican Party as a whole. I mean, if I haven't really been paying as much to politics over the past few weeks. It's been a lot going on, but knowing what i know i definitely have watched mccarthy as the minority leader in the house and i've watched mcconnell and they have two very different methods of controlling their caucus and mccarthy is still very much embracing trumpism while mcconnell and his caucus in the senate as a republican minority are controlling themselves in a very different manner Especially McCarthy, just with the Marjorie Green Thomas person. It, it, she's insane. But McCarthy is flip-flopped on this. After he has. The, but the, after the storming, he said the words that he said were very inflammatory. And he, he laid some blame. and He got immense pushback, which led to his bending over this week right. of going down to Mar-a-Lago. Like I feel like that's because he also lost that momentum where he was actually afraid and his colleagues were very afraid. And then that wore off. And then there were other factors, you know, which you just mentioned, kind of push back. Well, and people have a really short memory, and in politics, it's even shorter. Especially how I, Trump has just manipulated the news cycle this last four years, where every day it's a new story. Nothing holds any traction. When we think about me, Benghazi, that lasted for months. How many Trump right, scandals David. have lasted more than a week? But gentlemen, you're forgetting one important fact here. After the insurrection and what Trump had caused. 30,000 Republican members dropped being supportive of the Republican Party and became independent, if not Democrat. 10,000 alone in Arizona, where, which is now a true where, swing state. Where, where, where so, so wait, I, I, Excuse I, I, me while on, I don't get hard about 30,000 out of 350 but I'm, I'm trying, million. My, well, I mean, the last election in 2016 was won by less than 20,000 votes. So, I mean, we, we could we could debate that all day, but 30,000 Republicans well, dropping. I mean, in, in maybe in one, in one state, but I mean, it was lost by negative 3 million Michigan, Michigan and Wisconsin. votes by popular. But, well, I'm talking about in the margins of the electoral vote, but but nonetheless, we agree. In so, two states, though, the margins yeah. not by. I mean, in two states, I know, that's I know how you're trying the electoral college is Reel it in, guys. Reel it in. The uh, the point that I'm trying to make is that the impeachment itself, we can argue all day if Trump did something right or wrong. But I think the writing is on the wall for Republicans that if they want to continue to be back to the party that they were 15 years ago, 
where they actually could win elections in a sense of not being on this third rail of politics of this extremism attitude. Uh, they need to relinquish the Trump mantra. And I think that a lot of people in the Republican Party are fighting about against it a lot now, where it's becoming a real divide in, through the party. And you're going to see this over the next 18 months under the Biden administration, where Republicans are trying to figure out what, it, what message works. But I think a lot of them are starting to realize that Trump is not someone they want to support anymore. So whether he gets convicted or not, from my understanding and what I see, it doesn't matter anymore. Trump is going to get ripped limb from limb. He is the sacrificial goat for the past four years of what's gone on in politics. In I don't America. Know Got to disagree Justin, with you. I do. Yeah. Justin, I sent right, you well, two well, links. I'd love to today, hear it. I, I, I just hill. don't know if I fully agree with he, that. Trump here are my data points. Okay. Here my, I want to hear because David sent me this information. Here are my data points. There was a poll that came out today. I sent the link to Justin. Um, one of my favorite sites is thehill.com, thehill.com slash latest. And it's just really great headlines. They point you to the original source. It, you, you have people from the right and the left contributing. Um, a lot of times they're both very, very stupid. In any case, today you had a report about a poll that came out and said that 64% of Republican voters would join a new third party if Trump started it. 64%. He has such control over the Republican Party right now. He's still in the driver's seat. We kicked him off Twitter, and he's still in control. That's what I was just going to say. Because Adam, you're saying this kind of third rail, and, you know. It's not. But what, what, what I actually truly believe needs to happen is I do believe, and I, I, I think this will be for the greater good. I think it will be the greater good of the Trump supporters and the greater good for the true Republican Party um, and the greater good for the country so you know who stands where. But I do actually believe that Trump needs to create a third party. I'm not saying he needs to lead it because- I agree. I, I actually think the impeachment needs to go through and and he needs to be formally uh, convicted um, because- I think all four of us do. Uh, yeah, yeah I, but, I don't totally I'm not, agree. I'm also, saying, I'm also saying that he needs to play a major role in this new party. He doesn't have to run for office. And I don't think if we have a new party, anybody's running for office in this new party in the next, normally I would say 50 years. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's 2021. Shit happens way faster now. Uh, in Over the next probably, you know, 12 years or so. Uh, I don't think anybody will come close to running for presidential office from this new party. Um, but I think it's gonna be greater for the country to have this extremist Republican, just crazy psycho, no, you know, zero abortions, everybody has guns type of mental, like super religious party, because I think there's a lot of people that are screaming for that. And I think that's going to, yeah. I think that's going to actually bring a stronger centrist party um, mm -hmm. of Republicans and Democrats. Cause I, I think we're all, I know we're all liberal, but I feel like I'm the least liberal of the four of us. Um, I don't know if I would agree with that. I'm not that liberal, but exactly. I'm not saying that I'm... But we're, we are in, Adam, you and I live in the most liberal of the cities of the four of us. Fine by but me, we I see mean. these, we see these crazy liberal actions, crazy liberal politicians. Well, and we're like, that's, that's insane. So well, I'm sorry. we are all incredibly socially liberal. 
economically, yeah, we all fine. have different, and, and I think we all actually kind of hem towards the center. I work in finance, James is in accounting, you two guys work in real estate and been fucked over the last year by what happened with COVID and what happened with the government. I think we all kind of get that. None of us are, yeah. none of us are Bernie bros. For instance, no, in, so, this, so in the what, stimulus bill, there's the $15 minimum wage. I don't know if that's a good idea. I would oh, love I think it's everyone happen to make whether, $15 an hour. But, but David, David, doing it David by mandate. it's going to happen no matter whether you like it or not. It happened in Florida. And it's going to enact over the next five years. It's going to happen for the rest of the country. By 2026. And, and it it, it's bipartisan support it. in Florida. Because it's going to do a gradual increase. And that's how they're going to do it. Exactly. That's, that's so how they the do anything. Is, the any other state so that can't nice. get there. But, I, Justin, I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't want to talk over everybody. So, so what I want to say, interrupt me, but go ahead. I'll like keep going. That's why I said I don't want to interrupt you. But what I'm saying is, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So go. you you quoted you quoted a poll to me about 65 percent of Republicans are the ones that want to start a new party. Fine by me. They only they only represent 35 percent of the country to begin with. So fine by me. Out of the 225 million people that are registered to vote in this country. I'm fine with 35% of them that want to go rule their own fucking party and 35% and then 65% of that want to do that. Fine by me. Let, let the rest of America do its own thing while you guys want to run your jihad. Might I also add, you guys are arguing that that's a bad thing. Why don't we talk about the fact that we have 78% of Republicans that are saying there's never going to be a free and fair election ever oh, again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fucked. Why don't I also add the other factor? If we're going to talk about polling, you have 67% of Republicans saying that they feel they should enact violence to create the American dream again in this country because they think they'll never see it again. They keep quoting the Jefferson about the tree of liberty needs to be you know, yeah. fed with the blood of patriots like Jesus Christ, man! It's 2021. We're not, we're not shooting Republican each other friends. again. Do you know how they they used to fight wars back then? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, the point is, the point yeah, is, but also like let's just line up at, like across from each other. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, and, and by the way, I'm gonna have a big white X over my chest. <laughs> I, I, I. That's actually so now. Like the army, hold up, I'm like, gonna play drums. Let them know we're coming. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, you know how like PETA is, you know, is like crazy about animals. I'm like, dude, you know, yes, like, as we, we know. used to sacrifice fucking people like our chicken and, and poultry industry sacrifices chicken. Man, uh, how do you think I ate chicken nuggets last night? You, wait, you ate chicken nuggets? Uh, I don't know if it was last night, but two nights ago. Okay, uh, there's one I thing. I remember <laughs> what you had for dinner. Adam, <laughs> seven, no, Adam is seven years old, by the way. He didn't have yeah, chicken yeah. tenders. Apparently. He, he didn't have Were they dinosaur shaped? Were they <laughs> dinosaur shaped? And did you have them with barbecue sauce? And did you uh, have ask, me, ask me in private after, after we get off the podcast. These are the hard hitting questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to weigh in one thing because we were talking about the impeachment. Go there's ahead. one thing that, that neither of you mentioned that I think is really important about the reason for, for going through with this impeachment is that the Democrats realize that with Trump defeated, the Republican Party has a reckoning where they need to decide whether they're going to continue to embrace Trump and the politics of Trump, or they're going to separate from him and, and go back to doing whatever they were doing before. And Agreed. this impeachment trial, even if the Democrats know that it's not going to succeed, when I look at the political futures markets right now, I'm seeing about a 7% chance 
that there's enough votes to convict, and that's probably overstating it. By um, about 7%. But whatever the case is, I don't think anybody is really expecting a conviction to happen. But what it's going to do uh, is it's going just, to force every single Republican senator to be on the record as to what direction they want the Republican Party to go to. And the Democrats know that, and they will be able to campaign against that and say, this is what happened when you had Trump, and you guys mm-hmm. still supported it despite seeing its consequences. And you had an opportunity to go a more moderate path, or at least a less insane one. And Here's my one caveat goes- on the impeachment, is that there are three restrictions, well, there's a handful of restrictions on the First Amendment right to free speech. One of them is you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Everyone knows that you can't say something that's not true. Second is defamation. You can't say something that you know is false about someone else. It depends David, on who the well, person you can is. Yell fire, fire in a crowded hey, theater nobody fire nobody makes me breathe my own CO2, all right? All right, all right. The third is the lemon test. It says that people in, in, in public schools, their speech can be regulated, meaning they can be punished for saying bad things in school because they're under 18. I actually have a question as to whether or not what Trump said rises to the, le- uh, the fourth, sorry, another one, fighting words. Words that, and I think this is how the statute said the, the precedent is that words that to a reasonable person would make you punch them out. Um, going up to someone and saying, and on the middle of New York City, saying, you're a, fu-, I mean, you probably deal with this every single day with the homeless, and I do too in Sacramento. California has a lovely homeless problem, but uh, someone comes up to you, gets in your face, and calls you a fucking cunt, blah, 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 blah. Funky fighting ass words. cracker. Right. Yeah, that's Funky Fred. Um, that's my neighbor who lives in the parking lot next to me. In any case, you can't say words that to a rational person would make them feel violent. I don't know if Trump's words rise to the level of fighting words. I don't know if this is not protected First Amendment speech. I I have some questions about that. I uh, really think everything he did is awful, and he definitely instigated it, but does it rise to that level? It's a bright line test. I don't know if it does. I yes, think I think he should I be think... impeached. He should never be able to run again, but I don't know if it rises to that level. I think can it's a straight line test speech? where you can look at what did he say and what immediately happened afterwards. But they're unhinged already. They believe in QAnon. No, he didn't talk no, about QAnon. No, 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 David, you're 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 also rationalizing their behavior but you're not no 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 you can't not rationalize rational. no but you i'm sorry but you, you are a little bit because you also have to i'm explaining not the rationalizing. i'm saying they're years. inherently irrational but let me ask let me, let me, that, Adam, well, let me add hold up if i threw a giant party in my backyard and i was like this neighborhood sucks let's do something about it and i threw this giant party and was like here's some torches and then the neighbor's houses ended up on fire, coincidentally. Do you think that would have anything to do with that? He didn't even provide the torches. They they brought their yeah, own. But, That's the yeah. thing. Like, he, they brought uh, look, I think it was terrible, but I don't know if you can say okay, that he but, made that happen. They're I, already what, rubbed up. They might have done it already because of all the but lies why? before. But okay, I don't know. but you just, David, you took my argument, and I think me, James, and Justin's argument as well. They were already revved up. Why were they revved up? Because of five years of the but you exact can, You can separate same. out these lies. By, you've got you Hannity. You've, yes, you, been, can. you can say you've got Hannity, you've got Giuliani. 
fanning these but, flames. Ellen well, Wood. Giuliani's a joke. But but the, the point that I'm trying to make I don't think is so. that it's been Not to five years. It's been five years of heightened rhetoric leading up to this point. Because, you know, Justin, you and I have talked about this in the office offhand at times, but we've always said that if Trump didn't win 2016, this would have still been his game plan to begin with. We remember he talked about the election being rigged back in 2016. Well, so yeah, he this has actually been... said things like, if I lose, you know, it's probably rigged. If I win, right. we'll see. I, I get it. But so you have the my ACLU. Point is, Do you think they're happy when they're defending the white supremacists? It, no, but, speech, but, but my point but is, does it rise above if, that level? I don't know. If I've had five, if, so if I'm like, for instance, if you have somebody who's like David Duke, all right, who's an awful human being in America and in American history overall and in American politics, he's an awful human being. Despicable right? human being. The guy has tried to run for state government and for, federal government many, 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 many times. For anyone who doesn't know but, who David Duke is, he's a former grand dragon of the KKK. Thank you, David. Thank but you. the point is, this is a gentleman that has proven himself to be an awful human being. And it's yes. based on his prior rhetoric leading up to the point where he was never elected into office and expelled from ever running again. So the same thing could be said about Trump and what he has done, where I don't necessarily know if he could if he should be convicted per se. Well, there's been no should he be voted, to David should he be voted to a point where he's not allowed to run again? There, a hundred percent. You have my 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 petition. Like this guy should never be allowed to run again. And I think his family that supports that politics should also be part of that because his family was a integral part in getting him elected to begin with. Sure. So it should not just be the individual, but it should be the name behind it. Just okay. like when we say Bush and Clinton. Yeah, but that's Trump, like that's grossly problem. unconstitutional. And hold on a second. Uh, well, that's, that's guilt by association. That, but you can't do. Hold on, I want. I want to back. I'm up not a saying I'm happy thing. about it. I, no, no, no. I, I want him gone, but I don't know if you can criminalize speech Here, like just, this. Listen, listen. First of all, this is not criminalizing. Impeachment is is a political process, not a criminal process. Second of all, Correct. I think we we need to analyze something else that really hasn't been mentioned, which is what is the charge that Trump has been impeached under? And in inciting inciting insurrection. So. That's a, right. So you have to look and see based on the events of and we can just look at purely that day based on the events of that day. Trump was the last person to speak before Trump spoke. You had people like Giuliani on stage saying we need to have trial by combat. Yes. You had Donald Trump Jr. talking about how this was stolen from them and they need to take it back. And then Trump goes on stage after having listened to all of this. And is aware of not only the mood of the crowd, but the words that have been said before him. And he says, he's "Very savvy with the crowd. He knows what he's saying, so, and he right. couches his language." And so he says, <laughs> "We are going to march down Pennsylvania Avenue and go to the Capitol and stop them from stealing this from us." So you can. Uh, there's no bright line here. It's a straight line of he says we're going to march on the Capitol. And then as soon as his speech ends, where do they go? They march to the Capitol. Next. Devil's advocate. Devil's Next. advocate. Did he, did he say break down the barriers and barge in? No. No. He, he said we're marching on the Capitol and you don't need to – like if you're going to be hyper-literal about this, it's going to be really hard to convict anybody of anything. 
Exactly, well, and that's well, the problem. Well, but, but no, the problem is that your conclusions are going right. to lead to almost you know, everybody you know being what they acquitted. Take. Listen, do you know? Well, what's the future? Twist? They're going to be acquitted. Listen to me. Listen to me. You know how people twist the Constitution the same way they twist the Bible. All right, there's a passage in the Bible that says somebody named David gave a piece of bread to somebody named Joe. And that means that in your life, if somebody comes along and they don't have uh, $10,000, that you should take this out of your, you should give them your spleeners. People take the weirdest shit and they contextualize it to whatever. Um, you know, people take a ton of shit out of the Constitution and turn it into whatever they feel that it needs to mean. I oh, feel absolutely. Like, 100% I, confirmation you know, bias. I, I, I feel like right now the country is divided so fiercely down the center that i i don't feel that you're going to have the republican support right now moving forward for the what, what was the other article i sent you for it was another poll that said that 50 percent think he should be acquitted the 50 percent think he should be convicted I mean, I saw that like I said, same poll you could not be. Hold on, I've got polling data that's very recent, and I'll give you the give you the numbers. I pulled mine from the Hill. Just all right. So I, mean, I pulled it, mine it, from it the most recent today. poll that I can find, which is a Marist poll. Um, President Trump was impeached by the House of Representatives. Blah blah blah. Do you think the U.S. Senate should equip him, acquit him on these charges, or convict him? Acquit forty-one, convict fifty, unsure nine. Okay, but what is the Senate? Okay, like, the compared by the general, and I think if the last five or six years have anything to say about polls, and this is what I was telling Adam a long time ago, I just want you to go to the fucking mall and look at the people that stand in the middle of the fucking mall corridors with clipboards and watch them as they approach people, because well, the people that are actually polled, the people that take time after a phone call to answer questions about how the representative did or you know people that do an internet survey i i could ask like the majority of the people that i know the last time you com you completed a poll and then i choose that that sample of the people that i know and i just think about who's answering polls to me polls don't mean anything because i i you know i walk by people in the mall with a clipboard and they're like, can I, you just have 30 get, seconds? And I'm like, what the fuck? Is I, I get that. I'm, I'm obviously doing nothing right now, killing time. I don't have any extra time. Sampling bias is a huge problem in polls. And you oh, had okay. a lot of outlets say, no, no, absolutely. You're 100% correct. What were, the, what were the estimates before the election? Plus 9 or 10% for Biden? What did it yeah. end up being? Yeah, about but, but it was the average was about 8%. 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 8%, 
I got a question for David one sec, but I do want to talk about what we're going to bring on on the next podcast because that's going to be pretty cool. But David, uh, let's let's talk about the GOP for a minute, just because okay. what Adam said, there there is a reckoning in the GOP that they need to have, and I disagree with Adam on his point saying that they're going to go back to being moderate. I don't think that's going to happen. You've got Marjorie Taylor Greene who has tweeted about. Jewish space lasers starting the 2018 California wildfires David, saying David, that the parkland we're short we're short on uh, we're short on time but go ahead I want to hear this I'll go quickly saying the parkland school shooting all school shootings are false flags anyways a boring comments you've got the Jewish Republican committee coming out and detesting her and you know who the Republicans really like having in their corner is some Jews because it gives them like a, a head against their anti-Semitism. In any case, they had a meeting on Tuesday night and half of the GOP conference sat down and half of the GOP conference stood up and gave her a standing ovation for standing up to the big guys. I mean, a QAnon believer thinking that Democrats, you know, like slay the faces of kids and then drink their blood, uh, denying school shooting. David, I, I just, because you're- There's these two warring parties. Your audio isn't super crisp. But this is like actual uh, reality. So can you just share the name again and share some of her beliefs? And then we'll remind people that half of the people stood Lord. up and applauded this woman and half of the people sat down. Of her own caucus, not the Democrats. Yeah, I'd say the Democrats sat down, the Republicans stood up. Half the, half Republicans, the Republicans, yeah. Let me also say that today in the House, there was a vote by the entire House to remove Marjorie Taylor Greene, a representative from Georgia, from all of her committee posts. She was on the Education Committee, which deals with schools. So, you know, coming out and saying school shootings don't happen and they're fake events, probably not a good look. In any case, uh, today they voted. They removed her from all committees, which... It's a little scary that a majority party is kicking the minority party off of committees. That's a different conversation. Uh, some of the things that she believes or posted about and says, I was just asking questions via Glenn Beck. Um, the Rothschild bankers, which is, I mean, uh, dog whistle for the Jews. Maybe they had a space laser from a satellite and they fired it at the camp area of California and they started the fire so they could profit off of the insurance. Yo, I just want to know how did you figure Parkland- out that we created the space laser? How did she get that? Like, how did she get that right? Maybe from Roger Moore. I, yeah, we don't Moonraker. talk about that. I don't quite yeah, we know. Did, we did like, such I, a good I, job really hiding it and she, team. of all people, figured it out. I don't know. The only other space well, laser I saw well, was just, that, that bad James Bond movie with the exactly Moonraker, well, with fucking Roger Moore just, and Jaws fucking biting down on fucking you, cables. You know what? Just like Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm gonna blame George Soros because he's another Jew that we can blame. So I think he's in on it. Uh-huh. Uh, this is what you guys There is a deleted video out there. So so. Go ahead, Jay. Uh, the four of us, the four of us are going to convene. So stay on the line uh, after after we close up the live session. Um, so thank you guys for joining us. I, we're going to close up the the cast here. Um, if you guys are watching live, thank you so much. I see you guys on TikTok. I don't TikTok following not crazy tonight. I've been myself pretty lax on TikTok. I apologize to you guys. Um, Instagram crowd has been there more or less the whole time. Thank you guys. 
uh, check out my lot, my uh, my stories because we're going to do a, a new episode on pet peeves. And I know this, the, like I can see, like David and and Adam, like uh, you know, I, I, these guys have some major pet peeves. Um, and uh, to, in James' right defense now. last night, pet peeves and grinding your gears. I was thinking about this today in the shower, where everybody gets good thoughts. Grinding there is a difference, gears, by the way. Grinding your gears and pet peeves are different things. And I would, say, I would say the snow plow pushing the snow it, it back in front of your, your driveway is a grind your gear, um, whereas somebody chewing with their mouth open is a pet peeve. So I want to differentiate the two. But uh, one of the next podcasts is going to be about pet peeves, and that's also going to depend on when we get uh, my friend Jamie Kane, real estate attorney, back on the podcast. She's been featured in a couple of episodes, three or four episodes, I think. Um, she's a real estate attorney going to fill people in on what's going on with the cancel rent because there's a big, there's this crazy movement for cancel rent. There's an eviction moratorium. Uh, there's crazy stuff going on, especially for rentals in New York. Yeah. Uh, she's a New York real estate attorney, obviously. So California too. Well, she, she's not a California real estate attorney, but similar things. No, just in terms of similar things. Liberal governments California. and rent policy. And um, and also kind of nationwide. So we're going to talk about what's happening real estate wise uh, nationwide. But really, I think and that's going to be super interesting. And I think a lot of people are going to want to tune in, especially because a lot of Adam, a lot of the people we know, especially in New York City, are renters and a lot of people struggling actors there's no broadway most uh tv and film not shooting because or they're on a very um they're just very restricted a lot of tv shows just did reruns bartenders justin i mean well, shit. we'd like to drink come on and then obviously the food and beverage industry totally crippled a lot of people not working really hammered adam doesn't know that he was uh, about to be featured in a tv show on nbc but because of coronavirus, uh, that whole shit got basically shit canned. Um, so great we, love for me there. Yeah, we lost our <laughs> we lost our TV spot uh, as a New York City brokerage. Um, we could have been like Sunset in uh, L.A., man. We no. could have done that uh, TV show on uh, Netflix. It would have been a little grimy. This is New York City. Right? <laughs> Is there a rule at your brokerage that you have to shave your head? Uh, no, I think uh, it's, we're Adam and I are only the only two bald guys. And then Adam hired another bald guy who sits across from Adam's desk. And I constantly walk by Adam's office and I mix the two of them up. So it's uh, 100% true, by the way. It's very Adam, true. you should install a mirror in your office so that Justin confuses himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, Derf, we have. I have to tell you the story of the time that me, Adam, and Justin were in a New York City bar. Uh, it's, and this gets pretty. <laughs> oh <interesting>. no! Right. <laughs> um, we're taking that story off the air. If you want to know, shoot me a DM. I'll be recording the story. I'm going to publish that separately. But thank you guys for joining us on live. I'm going to cut the live stream. And uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to Sip Talk on YouTube. And you can obviously get the audio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you can get podcasts. Thank you guys for joining. James, David, Adam, stay, stay online. 
Uh, I'll catch you guys live soon. Thank you. Adios. All right, all right. So that was a politics episode. Sorry if that got a bit dicey. Next episode, we are talking about pet peeves. And quite a few of you guys have told me some of your crazy-ass pet peeves. Looking forward to hearing more. And uh, I will see you guys in the next episode. Don't forget to, to subscribe so you see me or hear me in the next episode. And I'll see you then. See ya. I like PBR. I just got priced out of it.